Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Queen of Calm podcast. I'm your host, Paisley Haddad. So before I get started, I just want to say a quick thank you to all of you for tuning in to my episodes. And if you're new here, welcome to the Queen of Calm podcast. I'm excited to have you listening today and to my guests for sharing their time for being on the show and for sharing their stories and tips for the next generation, as well as everyone who's been following along with us on social media. It's, you know, such a special experience when I see you know, you all liking my posts, sharing comments, listening to the show. So thank you all for your support. It means so much to me. And if you're feeling generous and you're enjoying the Queen of Calm podcast, please head to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave us a five-star review. It's really beneficial to me as a podcaster and for the podcast as a whole. And I'd love to hear how you're enjoying the Queen of Calm podcast. So I also wanted to talk about um, this special thing that we have on the show called sending in a voicemail. So, you know, if you have any questions for me or my past or future guests, if you have any topics that you'd really like covered on the show, if you have anything that you want to add, just a comment to a past episode, be sure to click the link in our Instagram bio to leave us a voicemail. And you can head to anchor.fm slash queenofcompodcast slash message and leave us a voice memo there. And you could be on the Queen of Com podcast because I'll be playing the voicemails on the show, answering your questions, or we can talk about whatever topic you want to send in, anything in the, on that vein. Um, so be sure to head to anchor.fm slash queenofcompodcast slash message to send us a voicemail. Um, so... Speaking of Instagram as well, if you're not following us on Instagram, follow us at Queen of Calm Podcast and on Twitter at Queen of Calm Pod. On Mondays, I share who's coming up on the show. On Wednesdays, I usually share a clip of the new episode as well as links to where you can find it. And then later on in the week, I usually have a little fun. I post an announcement or different types of posts. So be sure to follow us on there. So um, for last week's industry insights, which were all about, you know, should these award shows be doing a branding overhaul to attract new viewers? Um, that poll was pretty much split 60-40, 60% yes, 40% no. And I think this really plays into how, you know, a lot of these award shows are based on people's interests. You know, some people wait all year for the Oscars. They really, you know, dive into all the movies. But then, you know, when the Grammys or the Emmys come around, they're not really big fans of that. So they don't tune in. So I just think it's based on preferences. But I also think that, you know, this is my opinion, that, you know, a lot of these award shows, like we were talking about last week about how the Grammys kind of adapted to be less of that, you know, Hollywood glamour and more of, you know, involving everyone in music after these past two years of a pandemic world. Um, I really think they have to evolve with the times to attract those new viewers. And so that was such an interesting poll and in how you all voted. But as for this week's industry insights, I don't have a, a particular event or a campaign or, or anything specific that I want to talk about, um, just that I've been thinking for a while about doing a, a survey um, for recent graduates to really, you know, get that finger on the pulse of what our generation and our, you know, graduation year is really thinking about, you know, this current landscape. Well, not, necess not necessarily just our graduation year, like in the past few years about you know, what's going on with young professionals and communications, you know, how you're feeling, because, you know, just as an example, I mean, my second episode of the Queen of Calm podcast was all about agency life. And it was with my friend Jackie. And since I recorded that, things have changed drastically in the PR world alone, and communications as a whole as well. And so, you know, it's just so interesting to see how things can change so much in a short amount of time. And so I'd really love to, you know, get your input on that. So I'll be posting the link to the survey on our Instagram stories, our Instagram feed, on Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. 
So be sure to head there and give us your responses. And I'll leave that open for a few weeks so we can get a maximum reach on that. Um, but I'm excited to hear about this because I'm truly, you know, wondering this as well as we come up on one year of graduation, which is crazy because it feels some days like it was, you know, two months ago. But then other days, it feels like it was 10 years ago that we graduated. So interested to hear the results on this. Um, but as for today's episode, I have a wonderful young professional on today. She is so knowledgeable about PR, and she also has so much passion for our industry. And so it was so great to talk to her and hear about her journey to her career and about her passions. So be sure to stay tuned for the interview. You're not going to want to miss it. My next guest is currently pursuing her master's degree in mass communications with a focus on strategic communication at LSU, her alma mater, and currently works as an account executive at the PR Alliance, a boutique public relations agency where she works with lifestyle, entertainment, and nonprofit clients. Please welcome Courtney Janot to the podcast. Welcome. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am very excited. Very excited to be here today. Well, I'm excited to have you. So why don't we get started with how you first got interested in communications? Okay, so funny story. I actually was an athletic trainer in high school and I actually, I fell in love with it um, for a couple different reasons, but specifically because I met so many different people. Um, I left uh, Louisiana in the the summer before my junior year in high school. So going to Houston and going to a new school, being at that, an athletic trainer was just a really great way to meet a lot of different people. Um, I got to travel with a lot of different teams. Um, and overall, it kind of just made my high school experience uh, very great and very different from what I thought I was going to do. Because, you know, moving to a new town, a new city, your junior year high school, at that point, everyone already kind of has their, you know, groups and their friends and everything. So, um, yeah, it made my experience really great. And so um, because of that, I said I was going to go to college for sports medicine, right? And LSU, as we know, is a very big sports school. So of course, I wasn't coming anywhere else. And I also miss my grandmother and a lot of my family that was in Louisiana. So I actually came here for sports medicine. Um, and I went to the first meeting. We had the first meeting, you know, introductions and everything to meet everyone. We had the first meeting where they explained, you know, the time commitment, the rules, things that we could and couldn't do, and the classes, which were very um, math and science heavy. <laughs> and that wasn't for me. So literally after that first meeting, I went to the registrar's office and was like, okay, so what can we do <laughs> for me, right? And so... Um, at that point, I started searching for something that would kind of spark my interest while also staying true to who I was as a person. And so as a person, I love being around different people. I love being uh, building relationships. Um, I don't know if you can tell at this point, but I am a very type A personality. I love being able to multitask and um, just overall very ambitious, goal-oriented, and also fast-paced. So I knew I needed a career that would kind of keep up with that. And so, um, yeah, I just did a search and communications kind of seemed like something that would be a good fit for me. And, you know, people tell me all the time, I love to talk. <laughs> I, love to talk. So I was like, you know, hey, I'll try to see what this is like. And yeah, that's kind of how I got interested in it to begin with. That's awesome. And I feel like everyone always has such a unique story to tell of how they got interested in communications. I feel like not many people go in right to college thinking that they want to get into communications just kind of organic because right. so many industries need our help with communications and you can have right. all these different interests. Right. And I actually 
I didn't even know. I feel like when I when I got to college or when I actually got into the field and started learning about all of the different things that we could do, I'm like, okay, this is perfect because I can literally take it anywhere I want to go. Yeah, so. de- definitely. And so speaking of college, you touched on it a bit, but what was your time in college like and how did that lead you to your career? Right. Okay, so like you said, you, most people don't have a conventional stories. I definitely don't have a regular story of how my time in college was. So um, either my freshman or my sophomore year, well, I moved down here with my grandmother. So I lived with, I was very blessed to have my grandmother and my great-grandmother uh, living under one roof. So that was a great time. And I was very close to both of them. I still am very close to both of them, but either my freshman or my sophomore year, my great-grandma got diagnosed with cancer. And so that's when my whole, um, yay, college experience became something that was very different. Um, I also had to work to be able to take care of myself. Uh, so that I also go back to that's why sports medicine couldn't work out because of the time commitment that it needed and having to be here, you know, by myself and pretty much support myself. I could, I couldn't. So dealing with my grandmother getting diagnosed with cancer and having to work two jobs while in school just didn't um, provide the most fun college experience, I would say. So um, it was also my first time being away from my parents, uh, my mom and my dad, you know, my whole life and then going to, you know, now everything was just me. So I had to deal with that um, on my own. So at the time I had so much, so many life things that were going on um, that I never really looked at. College was kind of something that I did and not necessarily an experience I was um, taking advantage of. And it's just because everything, you know, was going on. I was very close to my grandmother. So to see somebody, you know, you love pretty much go from, go from, you know, who they are as a person to pretty much, you know, I don't want to say dwindling away, but just not pretty much a shell of who they were before because of the disease really took a toll on me. And it was the first time something of that like magnitude happened to me. And so that was very um, hard to get through. So eventually she died on the first day of my junior year, um, which shook my world because like I said, I had never felt that type of, um, I guess, hurt and pain, you know, before. So because of that school wasn't, and I was working on top of all of this too. So school wasn't something that was at the, like my number one priority, which is crazy because I always said I love school. Like I always did really well in school. And yeah, when I got to college, things just got very much real. <laughs> things <laughs> got very real. So um because of that, I, I pretty use I pretty much used my whole junior year to like recover recover and um get myself together. Of course during that time because so much was happening, my grades slipped. I actually ended up um, on academic probation, which was a first ever for me. So I had to deal with that as well having you know having to deal with for the first time ever I'm not you know the A plus student for the first time ever I'm not the top of so I had a time dealing with that uh, as well but eventually eventually after that year I had a perfect well no actually during that time my junior year I had a professor and his name was David Stamps and even though I was going through everything, he always talked about, I actually, it was a PR writing class. And he all, he always talked about PR in terms of like, like, he was so excited when he talked about it. He explained it in a way that was very clear 
for me to understand. And it actually made me want to pay attention. Like, okay, what is this that he's talking about? Cause he actually, I believe he, he worked um, actually in uh, publicity. I can't remember exactly what it is, but um, yeah. So he just talked about it with so much passion. He would talk about, you know, different trips and things that he would have to do. And I was like, okay, so this is, this is what I want to do. So fast forward <laughs> to my senior year. And I noticed that, you know, throughout my time, I haven't necessarily had the experience to be able to, you know, get internships and do this and that. And, you know, it's August, my senior year, and I'm about to graduate in May. So I'm like, okay, something needs to happen. You know, you start to notice very obviously that school training isn't um, going to be enough for the job market. So I was on uh, definitely a hunt. I was like, okay, I need to do something <laughs> internships and I really need to hone in on what it is I want to do when I graduate. So I did a deep dive into the PR field. I was like, okay, how are the people living that are doing this? What are their salary ranges? What, what is their day to day? And can I actually see myself um, in this field and actually happy, you know, doing something that I actually would want to do. And so um, it was also really important to me to be in a field um, where there were people who looked like me. And so during that time, we were seeing how companies were responding to George Floyd and the protests and issues that included, you know, diversity and inclusion. And we were seeing a lot of companies just throwing together um, statements for diversity and inclusion or just, you know, for everything that was happening in general. And you could tell it wasn't where it should have been, um, I guess you could say. And so, to me, it was always important to me to make sure I work with companies that had the same values that I had, you know, that cared about people like I did. And it wasn't just an afterthought, but something that was in the front. Um, and yeah, so saying all that to say, uh, <laughs> overall, my time in college, it wasn't easy, but it definitely made me, you know, strong. It made me resilient and pretty much um being able to adapt to anything that was thrown at me, which, you know, as we know, in comms, that can happen at the drop of a dime. So, yeah. Yes, definitely. Well, first of all, I just want to say I'm so sorry to hear about your grandmother, but it's so inspiring how you were able to be resilient, as you were saying, and, you know, really go after your master's and you're starting in the industry. So congratulations on all that. That's so awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I think during that time, seeing how hard my grandma fought, you know, to be here during that time. And she would always say our rooms were next door to each other. And she would come in my room every morning and she would be like, uh, she would be, she would always say, you know, you're going to go get your lesson today. She was so country. <laughs> country. <laughs> she would be like, you, you going to get your lesson? And I would be like, yes, ma'am. And so, you know, after she passed away, it kind of like, I had to, I knew I had to keep going for my grandmother. Cause that was the whole reason you know, I was here because remember, I came to Louisiana because I missed my grandmother. So um, I kind of find I found strength in that. Yes, you definitely have a guardian angel looking over you. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and so speaking with about the PR Alliance, so can you talk about your work that you do there? Of course. So you mean like on a day to day or? Sure, whatever you want to share, like um, what type of clients you work with or what type of work you do. Okay, so um, I believe we have the, be the best clients ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really love the fact that we focus a lot on clients who have an impact. And of course, you know, I feel like every client has some type of impact that they can make. But I love when 
uh, our, cli our clients solve a problem. So right now we're working with a client, uh, Black Girl Holidays, and it's it was made by Patrice Camo, a wonderful woman who pretty much wanted to focus on the days that society don't necessarily recognize in terms of black women. So black women. So telling that story was really amazing. Um, we also work with some local nonprofits that help children um, with music programs and mentorship and things of that nature. So that's really impactful. Um, yeah. And so I do a lot of research. I definitely do a lot of research. <laughs> we're to make sure we're doing our due diligence um, in terms of what we do for our clients and also making sure the stories that we put out are meaningful and impactful to um, the audiences that receive them. Yeah, that's that's so awesome. And I feel like a, that whole phrase of having impact is what I've been hearing like from so many industry professionals lately yeah. because, I mean, it's so important to be so targeted and you know impactful in your communications messaging. So it's so great to hear that. And that sounds like a really cool client that you're working with doing important work Yes, yes. I really do love working with them. <laughs> and yeah, I totally feel you on that research aspect. I feel like I do so much research throughout the day. Throughout the day. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's crazy because I always, I never considered myself a like research type person until I got in, in comms and I was like, okay, so yeah, research is just a big part of it. <laughs> and it's so easy to go down a rabbit hole when you're on Google and all that <laughs> sometimes. Right, right. <laughs> I was literally having that conversation the other day with a colleague of mine. When I'm searching for something, I can end up in an entirely different place, but usually it's helpful. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, going back to your college experience and then knowing what you know now from working at the PR Alliance and being in the industry so far, you know, if you could go back in time to your freshman year self and give yourself a piece of advice, what would you tell yourself? Uh, okay. So I have three main pieces of advice I would give freshmen, Courtney, or just freshmen <laughs> in general. Um, number one is make sure you put yourself in a position to win. And what I mean by that, I mean, um, number one, networking, of course. I didn't necessarily get this experience, but college is a place you, you build those connections. It, I truly believe college is, some, is what you make it. You can go to classes and you can you know, go about your life and kind of not really use this experience for what it can be, or you can use it to build connections and really set yourself up for the future. So absolutely networking. And when I say networking, I mean networking with professors, networking across with your peers. A lot of opportunities that I've gotten have been because of, you know, my peers putting my name in places where um, I may have not stepped foot yet. So that's very important. Um, number two, get a mentor for something that you want to do, a field that you want to work in. Look at those people, see how uh, like I said before, they're living on a day-to-day -day basis. What is their day-to-day -day like? What is their work like? You know, are they happy in that work? Because for me, that's very important <laughs> in any field that I will want to be in. But make sure you're looking up to people who act, who know what they're doing, you know, in a given industry. And then also I had used social media. Put your, When I say put yourself in a position to win, people need to know the, you know, about the work that you're doing. I've gotten so many opportunities um, just based off of what people see me doing, you know, talking about my work on social media, talking about, you know, how much I love doing what I do on social media. So making sure you're using that to even, you know, connect to others, LinkedIn, you know, Twitter, Instagram, and things of that nature. 
Um, the second thing I had was to continue to be a student to the game. So you never want to make sure that you are in a place where you think you know it all. Because you don't. <laughs> you don't. All everything, all of these people that came before you, there is no way that you know everything. And that's something that I really hold true in general, just because, like I said, my college experience wasn't the easiest. So I, I couldn't do, because of that, I couldn't just do an internship. I couldn't take, you know, in comms, a lot of internships are unpaid. I couldn't do an unpaid internship. I couldn't do certain things. And so I kind of had to gain that knowledge um, dip through different ways. So I actually, my senior year, I did two internships. The first one was actually with um, Sharon B. Mills. So her company was by Sharon B. Mills. And um, she taught me everything I knew as far as what PR was. That was kind of my first touch in the industry outside of school. Um, and then also my second internship was with the PR Alliance. And I just, and I just stayed there from, so you can also get your jobs. <laughs> you can get your jobs after the industry with your internships and stuff. Um, also, I did a lot of professional development opportunities. So like I said, outside of class, you want to make sure you're also getting the training um, outside of class because you're only getting you know, the educational background. You're not getting the day-to-day and -day what you're actually doing in the field. So you want to make sure that you're ready for that. Um, I did a lot of master classes that people, you know, I did a lot of master classes that people in the industry were putting on. Um, I did the Becoming a Publicist cohort, which was a six-week um, a six-week course in PR taught you everything that you know from, well, from the beginning to end of, you know, how to be a publicist. Um, I did the, I also got an opportunity from one of my friends to do the Boyd Initiative, which was the background, an introduction to advertising and media, how the media works, which is also something that, you know, so making sure you do the research in terms of um, the adjacent fields to PR as well as, you know, working in PR, because you're going to need it all. So knowing the actual inner workings of media and how we we came to be it was very beneficial um, for me. Also, certifications. I had a lot of great mentors in my life that told me, <laughs> you know, you should get certifications and make sure making sure, you know, they're not just things that you could put on your resume, but they're actual hard skills. So um, a lot of certifications that go with PR um so social media marketing which was which was one I really love because you know as we know digital is very big in comms um and also lastly books just making sure you're reading about PR the different industry change changes and things of that nature and then the last one that I had was just remember your journey there will be a lot of ups and downs on this journey and no one has it's never linear it's never linear everyone has their own journey and you just have to make sure that this is never um the end for you as long as you keep going, as long as you keep never the end. And so, yeah. Well, I love everything you just shared. There are so many value points, valuable points within that. Um, that networking aspect is so important. I mean, I love on LinkedIn too, posting something. I feel like there's always right. someone there to like it or like share it to yes. their network. So Absolutely. many opportunities. Absolutely. The number one place. I, I definitely agree. Number one place. Yes. And those certifications are so important too. I feel like uh, I'm always looking up like, oh, what does this place have? And even right. like some workplaces could pay for those. Like they could have a program right. where they would pay for that. So that's awesome to get that, right. you know, waived sometimes. So lots of great tips you shared on that front. That was awesome. Um, so now I want to talk about pitching. So okay. in your opinion, 
what are the what are the most important parts of a pitch? Because as we know, there's so much going on in the news and, you know, there's labor shortages at these, you know, um, newspapers and media outlets. And so it's kind of hard to stand out these days. So what do you think are the most important right. parts for PR pros to kind of focus on? Right. So um, I also have three. <laughs> it's funny how I organize my thoughts. I also have three. Um ways there the best parts of a pitch so number one i have an engaging subject line so number one the first thing that they will see in their inbox is your subject line so it has to be something that isn't buried um that can't be easily buried um i also believe it has to be something that pretty much gives the essence of what you're saying in the pitch so they can know you know they look at it two to three seconds so they can know you know this is something that i want to go with or something that i don't want to go with um, the second aspect I have is personalization. You have to remember that, yes, we are looking on a computer screen and sending emails, but you have to remember that there's a, another person on the other side of that email. So I kind of put myself into those shoes. If I was to be receiving an email, how would I want to be spoken to? You know, would I want to just go straight into business or I, would I want someone to say, you know, I hope you're well, I hope you're okay today before, you know, just getting into business, especially with, you know, COVID and, you know, the isolation we feel from not being able to be around different people, that may be the only interaction you get um, in a day, not so much now, you know, with restrictions and everything lifting, but before, um, people were at home. So the interaction that they would get in a day would be with, you know, you and your email. So you, you just have to remember that um, there's another person on the side of the screen. Um, journalists work extremely hard. They work extremely hard to be able to, you know, get these stories out and work with different people and make sure they're doing it, you know, fairly, ac accurately, ethically. So um, I try to make my job as easy as I can. Uh, well, make their job as easy as I can. And also um, acknowledge some of their work. If they're doing work for you, you know, go read up some, some of their other work tell them that you know you like their work you know i feel like that's very important people work hard and you know they love the reassurance for it so <laughs> they give them that reassurance especially if it's something that you know you really love and you really connect with a piece that they that you really connect with um of theirs and then lastly relevance um how is this pitch or how is your client beneficial to the audience and to the media outlet go and go and see what is the media outlet talking about what are some stories that they're currently working on or some beats that they're currently working on? You want to make sure that you're not just blindly pitching. So you want to make sure that this is something that can actually be beneficial to their audience and can actually help, you know, their media outlets. So make sure your pitch is, you know, personal. Overall, make sure it's personal. Make sure you have an engaged subject line and make sure it's um, relevant to the audience and to the needs of the media outlet as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you just said. And going back to that subject line too, um, something I recently for this podcast sent out a harrow. And so it was kind of funny because I kind of get like the inside scoop from the other side for once. Right. And a lot of these pitches, I only get to see like the first three words because they kind of cut off when I get the pitch. So I was like, wow, that, that is so important. Those first three words in the subject line and even like attachments, like no attachments get sent to me. So like that was something to write down. So I'm like taking all these notes of like things to remember for the future. And it was so beneficial to see it from that side. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a great resource. The Herald is a great resource to literally anything you need there. Oh, yeah, definitely. I feel like I'm always on that and quoted and checking out all these different websites where they have right. these things because journalists, just as much as we want our story in there, they want they want to have something to write as well. 
exactly exactly so your boss keisha brewer so she gave an incredible ted talk on strategic communications and so i do a lot of research for my show trying to find new guests and different subjects and so i stumbled across this and like wow this is so awesome so what is it like working with her and getting to hear her expertise on strategic comms especially as you pursue your master's um and just what is that experience like working with her yes so Working with Keisha, I say this all the time. I feel like I sing her praises all the time and it is because <laughs> she deserves it. Um, working with Keisha overall, most of my publicist career actually has been with Keisha, has been with Keisha. So I feel like where I was in the beginning to where I am now has literally been because of how much um, she instills in me. And I am tearing up. I did not <laughs> but um when I first came to Keisha I was very very new in the PR um field industry game and I didn't have as much confidence in myself as I probably should have at the time like I knew I had the school training of course but actually being in the field I had only done one internship at the time so I I saw her and in her TED talks I saw her in her TED talk (laughs) And so then to come and like work under her, I was kind of like starstruck because because (laughs) everyone is talking about this TED talk. And it was a funny story because they actually showed her TED talk in one of my classes. And I was like, hey, you guys, like, that's my boss. Like (laughs) people just thought that was so cool, but she really is great at what she does. She makes sure that whenever she has opportunities, she's make, she makes sure to share them um with us and because of that because of that I feel like I have really grown um as a publicist uh as a person overall in general um because we talk on a personal level and she's really committed to my growth as a publicist and also as a person and to have somebody like that behind you whenever you are first starting your career um I can't even say I can't even, there are literally no words for how much I feel I owe Keisha and the PR Alliance and, you know, our clients and everything. Um, She really taught me how to trust myself um, as a publicist and trust my skills. Um, There will be so many things I would type pitches and press releases and things, and I would type and I wouldn't necessarily feel the strongest in it. And I would come to Keisha and I would be like, so what do you think? What did you, (laughs) what did you say? What would you say? And she she would be, or there would be some responses or just things in general. And I would always ask her first. And she would, she would always be like, so what do you, what do you think first? And I would be like, well, you know, at the time, you know, very shy and very not sure of myself. I would be like, well, maybe this, I think this sounds good. And she would be like, girl, this was great. Why didn't you say <laughs> this from the beginning? And so because of that, that really talked, uh, taught me to trust myself and trust I know what I'm doing at, at the at the end of the day and um trust that all of my training you know with school training you know professional development opportunities that I've had all of that matters in terms of you know all of that matters in terms of me being able to do what I can do and she just always brings um that out of me and so I couldn't thank her enough I really could not think thank her enough that's so awesome. And I think that goes back to too, what we we're talking about by having those mentor opportunities before, because yes. that is so important to have someone to lean on like that, especially in our industry where everything is so fast paced and it's hard to keep up when you're first starting out and trying to find your way. And um, I just feel like that's such an important resource to have. 
Absolutely, absolutely. To have her be someone um, that's instrumental, number one, and not just my growth with her company, but also my growth as a person outside of the company, that that helps as well because um, it definitely shapes who I want to be as a person and like as a boss, um, what I should and shouldn't be doing. And to learn from someone, she also, she is very, we have the very um, similar communication styles and working styles. So that actually, that works great <laughs> as well. So um, just to have someone, I see myself in her with our working styles and everything. So just to be able to work with, you know, your mentor and someone you really look up to is just really perfect. Yes, definitely. Great to have a role model to, to really drive all the work that you're doing to get there one day. Right, right. And so speaking more on strategic communication, so we were talking before about being, having these clients who are impactful and, you know, being targeted and really getting that perfect message out there for your clients. So in your opinion, how do you think that we can be more strategic as communications professionals in 2022? Mm -hmm. So I definitely think the number one thing you have to do is, um, and Keisha obviously talked about this a lot in her TED Talk, making sure you identify the value and how will it be beneficial to both parties. I think making sure when you sit down with a client, making sure you really build back, um, you really build back those layers. Uh, Milan Mobley, a, pup, a PR pro that I know, she, when I took the Becoming a Publicist cohort, she really talked about making sure you're, you, you're peeling back those layers of an onion. That's what she said. The layers of an onion and making sure you're really getting to the, the meat as to why, how could this story help people? What is the problem and what is the, the, the solution that your client is providing? You really have to talk to your client. Sometimes um, people think their story is one thing when you're talking and you realize their story is really something that's completely different and something that can be really you know beneficial to an audience. You just have to uncover it. You just have to talk about it. And you have to really hone in on what the value of your client is. And in what ways is it going to help an audience? In, in what ways, who needs to hear you know, this information? How will on the back end as an as an audience member, as a reader of this magazine or this publication or whatever the case may be, what would I get from it? If I saw, you know, this newscast or this article, what would I get from it? And of course, you're, you aren't always the target consumer, but making sure that some, this is something that is actually impactful and beneficial to not only you, but also to the audience as well. Um, just really honing in on that value, <laughs> really honing <laughs> that value and what problems we are solving is definitely how we can make things better in 2022. <laughs> yeah, that's that's such an interesting way to look at it. And I feel like that goes back to like client relations too, because I feel like sometimes clients feel like this is my product or service or what I do. And this has to be the new story. But I feel like sometimes just in like authentic conversations with clients, like that's how like, oh, like we have a partnership with so-and-so or this person uses our product. And so it's so interesting to see like those little tidbits that can become like a whole pitch angle uh, eventually. Right. And I've seen, I've literally seen it happen with my own, with my own eyes. And I love talking to clients in general, <laughs> just because <laughs> you also get, you also get why. Why did they start? If they, if the why isn't clear, they're not going to want to do the work you're not going to want to do the work. 
And so making sure you maintain that why throughout the process is really important too. Oh yeah, definitely. Always having that purpose. <laughs> and so talking more about 2022, I know we're, we're almost in the beginning there. We're still, we're still in the beginning region. Um, so do you see any right. trends on the horizon for the rest of the year in PR? Um, I definitely see digital communications, obviously with Facebook and the metaverse and how, you know, our media conglomerates are changing. Um, we definitely have to make, make sure we're staying on top of, you know, social media platforms and how they're changing. Cause as we know, the algorithms change all the time. And of course, digital comms is just a piece of your public relations campaign, but, uh, depending on who your audience is and what you're trying to communicate, social media may be the biggest part of you know your public relations plan so making sure you're staying on top of the way social media is changing different platforms are changing i know um an example would be twitter twitter allowing more more time for videos and things of that nature so you just have to make sure um you're meeting your audience where where they are and digital comms has a lot to do with that um and making sure you're visible to them as well so digital comms plays a big part in making sure you're visible to your audience. Um, and then secondly, also just another big push in diversity and inclusion. I think we're going to see a lot of um, PR people, PR companies, agencies in general, making sure they're pushing with their clients diversity and inclusion in the beginning, in the front end versus um, a reaction. Um, so making sure we have all these things in place to where when on the back end, we're not struggling to try to, you know, put out a statement or we're not struggling to try to, uh, try to, um, smooth things over with the audience. So making sure people see other people like them in the beginning versus the end, um, is another big PR, uh, trend I see. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with both of those. And, you know, the digital communication, so many times I feel like I see brands more on social media than seeing like their actual press releases or anything on their website. So it is so important to be like kind of that first line of defense <laughs> when you're right. you know talking to your consumers and on the diversity front as well. I mean, I was talking with another guest about this, about how, you know, it's so important for these brands, you know, like, you know, with the George Floyd statements and everything, how right. they were putting them out there. But now in 2022, you have to put your money where your mouth is and actually put, you know, these changes into your practices. So I definitely agree on that aspect as well, because I feel like that's just something we're going to be seeing. We're going to be seeing through the people, the companies who are not putting in the work and those who are. Right. right. And I definitely, I was reading something the other day and I saw something about um, trust in companies like consumers uh, would lose trust in a company, especially during, you know, 2020, when most brands were being visible on social media, if they didn't see you visible on social media, a lot of consumers lost trust in certain brands. So visibility, meeting people where they are is key. Yes, definitely. And I hate to say that, like the consumers are getting smarter, like that's a bad, that's a bad way of saying it, but like, they're more in tune with what we do in PR, like they're Right. Looking into press releases, how people say things, what companies they follow, who they support. I feel like people are more involved in the processes of what we do, especially because of COVID, because they saw more press releases on TV. I mean, not press releases, press conferences on TV. Right. And they were more involved in that communications process and following what their favorite brands, you know, believed in. So I feel like that is totally true. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like before, or not before, but I knew about that or people who are in media and like study media. I feel like we knew that before, but <laughs> not, no, we weren't expecting it as 
um, now because of the pandemic, just I feel like exacerbated the whole situation. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully that helps us in the long run when we have to try to explain to people who don't understand what we do. <laughs> right. Hopefully that's why I'm getting my master's so I can actually explain to people. That's what I learned um, with getting a master's in strategic communication. We learn a lot of why things came to be. I'm actually reading a book right now called The Image by Bornstein. And he talks about how public relations came to came to be. And so learning all of this in grad school now just make I feel like makes me better at my career in general because I know how we started into how how we got here. It's just a, a really great journey to to see. Oh yeah, definitely. And so if you had the choice of anyone in the world, any brand, any celebrity or anyone that you could do PR for, who would be your dream client? Uh, I've been thinking about this. I have been <laughs> thinking about this ever since uh, the thought of the podcast, but I've been thinking about this and I don't know. I want to work with so many people. I love Megan Thee Stallion. So I would <laughs> love to work with Megan Thee Stallion. Um, I would love to do, oh, Beyonce and Ivy Park. I would love that. Also, I would really love to work on... Um, Sweetie's Icy campaign. I would definitely love to work with her. Um, there are just so many great people who I would love to work with and that I feel have really impactful stories and really um, great people to work with. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of that Sweetie campaign, I just saw this girl on TikTok and she was like unboxing a PR package of like the suitcase and everything from that. That was so branded, such a great PR move. Right. Exactly. And I would love to be a part of those teams. <laughs> I'd love to be a part of those teams and making sure people get that. Um, definitely we'll get there. <laughs> I know, like so many things I see on social media from like celebrities or brands, I'm like, I would want to be in the room like when they came up with the idea because it just seems so clever, like it's so fun. Right, and sometimes it would be things you would think of, but also things um, that you would see out of the box. So once again, another being a student to the game, making sure you're looking at other campaigns and how they did it and um, making sure you're learning still, again, even through those other campaigns. <laughs> yes, definitely. So Courtney, I have one final question for you. And it's something that I asked to all my guests. So there is this uh, woman named Sophia Maruso. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. And she coined the phrase girl boss. So I love to end the episode by lifting up women who were inspired by so Courtney who is your favorite girl boss and it can't be more than one because we've had multiples in the past <laughs> we've had multiples in the past my favorite girl boss is my mom I love that <laughs> I feel like that's very generic but my mom has literally been the driving force behind me believing that I could do anything that I want to do um she has always been the person that's like you know I want you to be better than me and so seeing her work ethic and making sure she's um providing for my brothers and my siblings going above and beyond for us is really what I aspire to be as a woman as a mother um as a person in a professional field um I love her <laughs> I love her <laughs> Yes, moms are such girl bosses. I mean, that's like the first role model we have like for our whole life, like this to base everything on and, and all of our moms are so awesome. So thank yes. you for sharing your mom as your girl boss. And I just love ending the episode on such a high note of, you know, right. talking about someone who inspires us. And thank you so much, Courtney, for being on the show. This was awesome. 
of course thank you so much paisley thank you so much for inviting me thinking of me it was greatly appreciated thanks for listening did you enjoy this episode head to apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review want to drop us a line click the link in our instagram bio to leave us a voicemail and who knows it might even end up on the show see you next week for more tips and tricks of the trade